The year is 1962. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. the show thanks everybody for listening this is our my marvelous year variant cover edition this is a listener feedback episode now here's how this will work after we cover a year's reading list and of course my marvelous year is a reading club that will take you through every single year of marvel comics year by year after we finish a year in this case 1962 zach and i will be talking about the listener feedback we got you can submit listener feedback as you read along to mymarvelousyear at gmail.com, and we will consider all of the feedback we get and try to read through it and talk about it here. And I think what it's going to do is give us a nice opportunity to sort of reflect on the year of comics that we just read, see what the, the club is thinking, and then for Zach and I to share some of the thoughts that maybe we didn't get to over the course of of summarizing and talking about all the fantastic Marvel comics that we read. Yeah, and this uh, this episode's also where we're going to reveal the poll results, chat about those a little bit, and then also at the very end, every episode while I'm editing, I always end up cutting out some outtakes, so to speak, as well as just some stuff that like didn't quite fit in the episode. So some some discussion that, that you might be interested in hearing. So that's gonna that's gonna happen at the end of this episode. Cool. So with that said, do you want to take us into the poll results? Yeah, actually, you know what I just thought of? I need to go on Patreon right now and close the poll. <laughs> I was supposed to do that this morning. Mm. I forgot about that. Let, let me let me make sure that I, I shut this down before uh I mean if there are some eleventh hour votes, we're counting them. Yeah, well someone just someone just signed up, so so uh this 1962's poll was which Marvel superheroes had the best debut in 1961-1962? In last place, we have a tie for both Ant-Man and the Hulk, <laughs> which is... Fair. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, not surprising. Ne- neither of them had particularly strong debuts. We weren't a big fan of either of those issues. This is a little surprising. In third place is the Fantastic Four with three votes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like way trailing behind second and first place. Second place is Thor with 10 votes and Spider-Man is the winner with 11. Just one Thor Man. had it like in the bag for a long time in the I think the last like 4 days it completely shifted shifted over to Spider-Man. That's pretty interesting to me because Spidey hardly has any material this year, right? It's just you know in 1962 we were just talking amazing fantasy. So we're looking at the Spider-Man origin. I think we're talking just specifically the debut like the debut issue. Well, you know, that that's how I took it. Yeah. I think some people interpreted this question a little differently because Spider-Man is my favorite he's superhero and he also yeah. I think has the best origin out of these this group, but if I voted, which I didn't vote, but if I voted, I would have voted for Thor because I just think that debut issue and that story uh Journey into Mystery is 85? 83 is the debut. 83. Okay. Is uh is that much stronger? Like it's just a better issue. And yeah. Spider-Man Amazing Fantasy 15 is like, I think it's kind of sloppy. I think it's kind of a mess. It, you know, the bones of what Spider-Man's origin will be is there. But, I, you know, I think for some people, they're just viewing 
the origin only and spider-man does have i think indisputably a better origin when that does kind of Mm. come into full view and get fleshed out because i was thinking about this what is thor's origin or struggle to to be i don't know to be more humble what is his well dr don blake is lame (laughs) Uh, yeah i guess but like (laughs) so that's you know spider-man like thematically his origin ties into his whole deal right like he ignored someone who needed help and as a direct response to that his uncle was killed like he he caught he was he had great tragedy in his life directly because he you know didn't use his power responsibly and that feeds into everything he does he's a reluctant hero but he knows that he has to help people because you know otherwise harm will be done but like what what is what is right. thor's bigger i don't know motif it is it is like learning to be humble and learning to be a hero sort of but that develops over the course of yeah, time yeah that's not that's not really and there i mean certainly now no and just when you're reading Journey into Mystery 83, like, I don't, I mean, Odin's not yeah. a player. Like, you don't get the whole, um, you know, you need to be worthy of this hammer thing. So, yeah, it's that's an interesting point. Spider-Man definitely does a better job of establishing who he is and why he will continue to be yeah. a hero. Whereas Fantastic Four and Journey into Mystery, even, it's it's more just who is the character, yeah. what's their deal, what are their powers. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not a lot of like why, and even even Thor's whole thing of just le- learn to curb your hubris <laughs> because you're a god is like I do think it's less necessary with Thor too though because and, and how in- how interesting is that Yeah, that's not that's not relatable. That's not a moral lesson really for most people. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, it's less internal. It's less relatable. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why Spider Man's is is as popular as he is. Why he he comes out of this year and the '60s really as the yeah, guy. Sure at yeah, marvel yeah. it's because everybody reading can see some of themselves in peter parker oh so who would have you what would you have voted for the best debut issue i i really like fantastic four number one i just oh, think okay. like <laughs> i just think it's funny even if it wasn't intended i think it's pretty clever i just think it's so like everything else comes in its wake you know yeah like it, nothing nothing else is there fantastic four number one isn't at least kind of successful mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think probably the best comic, like just the best on a, like a craftsmanship telling a story level, I could see journey into mystery 83 there. Yeah. Like maybe as the most, the most like put together piece of work, but for my money, if I just have to read mm-hmm. one of these, um, it's fantastic for, I fant- fast for, I can read a number of times and I, I kind of get a kick out of it. Hmm, cool. Okay. Well, it could have used your help. <laughs> yeah, I should have voted. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll be putting up a, a new poll next Monday, next Monday the 14th. Uh, so look out for that for 1963. So speaking of 1963, uh, we are going to be splitting that into two episodes, about 10 issues each. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many, but uh, as always, you'll be able to find next week's readings in this issue's show notes, uh, in the weekly Patreon email. You can find all the comics on MyMarvelousYear.com. A million different places but we're going to be dividing it basically right in half uh, and those episodes will be on january 21st and january 28th oh i screwed up earlier because i said we're going to be opening the poll on the 14th so this episode goes up the 14th Th- this episode goes out the 14th and then the yeah. 1963 part one which is when we'll open the poll for that goes out the 21st i'll, I'll fix it in editing uh, so we're going to be splitting that up and if you if you're reading along with these and you want to send in your listener feedback for us to read to mymarvelousyear at gmail.com, the deadline for that is January 29th by midnight. Uh, so speaking of listener feedback, we've got a couple great great emails here. We're going to alternate reading off. 
The first one is from Jean Duteau, and uh, he broke down he broke this de- down this year series by series, which was which was pretty cool. So uh, I'll start. He first writes about the five Fantastic Four issues we read. It's hard to be negative about the comic that started the entire Marvel universe, but these, like so many Silver Age issues, don't age well. I do love how number one puts us right in the middle of the action, but their origin always seems wrong as Reed bringing his girlfriend and her little brother with him into space just cries out, Why? These issues introduce so much of the backbone of the MU. Skrulls, Namor is returned, Doctor Doom. Fantastic Four gets my vote for best comic series of 1962. Well, you and Dave both, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it almost wins by default, you know. So there is like there is yeah, that element yeah, to it definitely. just because it's it's got the most to it, um, literally the most issues. I yeah, I think I agree with the general sentiment of like <laughs> that's it's something I like is the Silver Age silliness of like just the the logical fallacies that are you know of their of their flight into space. Like, it definitely doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm curious how this is all going to get retconned and updated, because, like, I, I was I was looking at this again, and I was thinking, like, there's no way that the modern version of this origin is that they hopped the fence and snuck onto that spaceship still. I mean, maybe it is, but, like, yeah. I, I feel like it's got to get fleshed out more at some point. They're going to have to, like, make that seem a little more reasonable as the whole medium grows up and becomes a little bit more grounded. I feel like it's not hard to do. Yeah, I mean, they just make it so that... He had permission, but the fact that they, you know, yeah. the, the four of them for no reason just sneak. And, and also the fact that Sue and Johnny are there just because and that Reed would bring them just because is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, they they kind of fix that even like in the Ultimate Universe version of Fantastic Four. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Which like, I won't go into in a ton yeah. of detail, but I, I don't love every decision they made in that like in that reboot. But I would say there's pretty, pretty sensible ideas around like all of them having some scientific hmm. talent or some connection yeah. other than just, yeah, like, oh, we might get engaged one day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so next covered was Amazing Fantasy number 7 and number 15. And Jean writes, If you read Spider-Man in the light of what this series was about, very much a Twilight Zone-style anthology of stories, then it becomes a quaint think-of-the-consequences-of-your-actions story. Which I think is kind of true. Like, actually, if you took... If you take away the follow-up launch of Amazing Spider-Man number one, the story actually does make sense in the Amazing Fantasy Twilight Zone, you know, esque structure. Yeah, just like all those other ones, you know, it's the someone something happens to someone, they make a you know the morally wrong choice, and there's a there's a consequence for that. Yeah, you know, which means we could have had that guy who turned out to be a witch as the star of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> if only they had picked a different hero. Okay, well, that one, I don't know what the morality is. I mean, don't don't be gender normative about witches, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that that and don't persecute witches seems... <laughs> well, yeah, that, that did. <laughs> seems fair. So, uh, Jean, and I think it's Jean, not Jean, but uh, Jean writes... Uh, apologies in advance for any naming mispronunciations write to us and uh and tell us why we're wrong sometimes we will get them wrong but uh jean specifically put p.s i'm french so it's not pronounced jean <laughs> at the bottom of this so. <laughs> <laughs> great uh, <laughs> sorry um, so he writes hulk number one i've always wanted to get into the hulk but starting at the very beginning isn't a good thing to do as the hulk we get in this series is a far cry from what he becomes even 30 issues later but the basics of his mythos is set up here, so it's a reasonable introduction as long as you don't try too hard to rationalize what the character is now with what it becomes. Which, 
For sure. I mean, he's, I said this in the, the show, but like, I mean, Hulk is all about like rage and power and that is not, that's not here. Do you think, do you think the Hulk is the most different from what he'd be even 10 years later? Um, out of, out of these ones, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like other things change, you know, they, they slowly morph power sets and personalities evolve yeah. to a degree. I mean, Hank Pym is basically a blank slate. At this point, he's got nothing going on, but, like... He doesn't get a lot more interesting. Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't change that much from that. But, yeah, like, the Hulk just, like... Hulk goes through a lot and, like, really changes... Uh, I mean, both his place in the Marvel Universe... Yeah. ...shifts a lot, and also his whole thing, like, his entire... Well, even even literally just his look. I mean, he's gray <laughs> in issue number one. He's smaller. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the funniest part, is that they're easily five guys at my gym who are larger than the Hulk is portrayed (laughs) in that issue. Like he's, he's definitely, you know, he takes third place at a a local bodybuilding tournament. Yeah. It's an attainable goal. (laughs) Yeah. I I do think like, you know, he only comes out at night at this point too, which like certainly like Ellie wing writing on a mortal Hulk, which is coming out right now is like having some fun with that, that concept. It's funny because yeah, mortal Hulk is about the only 2018 Marvel comic I've read and if anyone feels like they want to dip into this, it's pretty easy to do without any context. Because I have no context for basically all the 90s and 2000s for Marvel Comics. You can you can pick it up and go in a lot of ways, yeah, which is nice. Except that like Sil- Silver Age Hulk stuff actually like kind of leans into yeah. this. So yeah, that, that was surprising because that, that whole day-night transformation thing seems dumb and kind of out of place when you're reading it but it seems like one of those silly silver age contrivances like yeah. thor's 60 second hammer rule you know no, I, I like that one but yeah I, i'm not saying i don't love them well you know i, I think it, it's interesting because this is something that stanley's doing a bunch and they need to find that balance because there are times where he is like reed richards can stretch out to 54 meters you know and they like yeah he, he nails right. it down exactly you know johnny johnny storm uh, burns at exactly blah 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 degrees kelvin just opening the door for a bunch of people to like well uh actually do you like do you like having like set in stone parameters you know like like a no, marvel no. encyclopedia that's like wolverine can bench press 350 pounds like getting stuff you know they have like power levels divided into different categories and stuff no i don't i don't really like that yeah like i kind of like the general like more i mean you can kind of categorize people loosely but it's not this set in stone thing. I, I yeah. think that works better both creatively for people not to box themselves in. And, uh, but then also there is a degree to which a lot of these heroes have this like loosey goosey power set. That's, that's no fun either. You know, Johnny storm. That can go the wrong way. Yeah, totally. It's like, you can do anything. Johnny storm creates mirages with his flames. He, uh, he, he lassos up people's wallets yeah. <laughs> with his flames. Oh, well, that's 1963, I think, but hold on for that. Uh, yeah, so Journey into Mystery, number 83 and 85, we have written here, Thor is the character that basically starts out exactly how he is going forward. It is such an interesting idea to bring gods into the universe. Did DC ever do this? I can't think of any off the top of my mind. I don't think the stories are that great, but the character gets my vote for best character of 1962. So let's start with the idea of bringing mythology into a superhero universe. And I think this actually gets kind of overlooked and like a little underrated. It's a great idea. They just take the mythology and, and put superheroics on top of it and then kind of do their own version of it. And it's really smart. <laughs> like this is stuff that really 
Ret like resonates with people. I don't look at like the success of God of War, like the video game. You know, that's Greek mythology. Like that oh, stuff yeah, resonates sure. today, yeah. even if it's mythology. Like I, I couldn't have told you the first thing about Asgardian mythology without without Thor comics, you know? Um so I, I do think that's a pretty cool idea. So uh Jean is going to kick himself when <laughs> he realizes he didn't know he has to mm-hmm. because he did this. Uh yes, I mean Wonder Woman has the entire Greek pantheon in a spaked DC DC's done it a ton. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was probably just an overlook for him. Yeah. Yeah. They just do it in different ways. Uh, certainly. I mean, like Hercules is, is in both Marvel and DC. He's a bigger player in Marvel. Certainly. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not that familiar with Hercules in the Marvel world and how much, you know, they really lean into Greek mythology stuff. It doesn't seem as prominent as the Norse, Norse mythology stuff, but I know DC does it in yeah. a big way. Like it, it feels like a good majority of wonder woman stories have have something to i mean they're all about her origin as you know created by the greek gods yeah marv wolfman's run of wonder woman at the i think it's late oh, 80s, george, early no, 90s. it's george perez frequently frequent collaborator oh yes, with marv wolfman, yes, yes but he was he was doing yes, most of that okay. wonder woman yeah yeah i i love i mean i think the first six issues of that wonder woman is maybe my favorite run on comics ever really any superhero comic period yeah i i think those first six issues and i like the rest of the series i think it's good but those first six are so strong and it's such yeah. a good art it's my favorite aries story it's yeah 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 all right not to turn this into a dc cast uh, okay yeah. um anything else about gods <sighs> i got i got loads on god zach <laughs> but let's let's keep going okay. tales to astonish 35 i so much want to like ant-man because i really like the concept but Henry Pym is so bland, and this was such a throwaway story in 27, and now Stan is trying to bring it forward into a bigger universe, into the bigger universe, but they forget to develop Pym's character while developing his powers. Which, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Pym literally has zero personality in these early early issues, and then when he does develop a personality, it's just being stodgy. Like, I think you said that. <laughs> but, like, it's so spot on. Like, he... He's nothing but just being very serious and very smart. He's better when he is a blank slate. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually kind of like when they start leaning into the fact that he is, you know, he's kind of a jerk and he's kind of impetuous. And, uh, you know, they play with that in interesting ways and they kind of make him intentionally like he's very smart and he's doing, you know, he's part of the Avengers, but he still feels inferior. Yeah, and that's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, that, that stuff. That's when he starts getting interesting when he becomes flawed right basically but right that's basically right. all there is to him so i would like to hear i would like to hear from hank pym fans yeah because i know they're out there right and i think like both of us are more or less in alignment on not being super into ant-man at and, least at the moment i mean definitely once the wasp shows up i mean i'm way more interested in janet and what she's doing but I, i'm interested to hear like what hank pym fans like about him because i haven't found it even in the uh even in the movies they don't really make him that likable they kind of underline that well i'm fine with him not being likable yeah you know, he can be kind of a jerk and like that's there's a place for that character yeah. um but there are likable jerks i guess or, or jerks you want to know more about i will point out that uh, tales to astonish 39 uh which is one i read for extra issues i talk about in that i just want to point out that one's really worth reading. Like he's not that much more interesting mm. there, but it's just him fighting armies of bugs and Jack Kirby's art is mm. really fun. So if, if you want to see, I think the better Ant-Man story from this, from next year, 1963, Tales to Astonish 39 is it. Yeah. And I will call out to listen to extra issues, which oh, Zach does going into even more of the comics. You can go to patreon.com slash my marvelous year and get that sweet extra content there for as little as $1 a month. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's five for extra issues, but yeah, lower them in. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. I'm running a, I'm running a scam over here. Oh, uh, you want to wrap up, Jean? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. And then the final note here we have from Jean is all in all, I do like reading 1962 for seeing the beginning of the universe and how different the characters were compared to modern versions of them. I'm amazed at how quickly new characters, heroes, and villains are brought into the universe. The art is better than I expected, but the stories leave a lot to be desired. I'm in total agreement. Uh, I think year by year, we're just going to see them improve for quite a while. If, if, yeah. if I feel like this might be a thing. Some people are excited to get into this. They read the first year of My Marvelous Year and maybe are a little disappointed or like, oh, this isn't quite as fun as I wanted it to be. It gets better. Like, it, you know, it's going to continue to get better. Yeah. And each year you'll see these characters get a little more fleshed out and a little more interesting. I do think, too, like it, we kind of glance over it almost because we're going through every year. But I mean, older comics are not super fun for everyone. Right. Like going back to the Silver Age is not as fun for somebody getting into Marvel Comics in 2019 as maybe reading something that came out in 2010. Like, there are different approaches, and stylistically, they are very different. So I think it's something we kind of talk about, but it definitely, like, know that this is... It's it's equal parts historical curiosity and also, like, nostalgia. going with the flow yeah. and enjoying the, enjoying the nostalgia of it, exactly, even if you weren't there for it. Um, and if you find that, like, you just can't handle it, <laughs> you know? If you can't, listen to the show to get... To, to basically get uh to know what happened yeah and like and we'll get to the good stuff yeah dip your toes in yeah totally totally so i i would say like i i don't know not that to take it overly seriously but like there's nothing wrong with not liking <laughs> you know silver age comics yeah, yeah. like that they're not for, for sure. everyone uh all right next letter patrick reads hey guys love this reading list there's so much history to marvel that's helpful to have that it is helpful to have a view of kind of the spine of the marvel universe why do you think the thing moved away from looking so monstrous? Is this something you think sh you think is ignored for the most part? I think narratively it's interesting for him to begin as such a monster. Also, which is your favorite Fantastic Four character? Well, I mean, Patrick, you kind of answered your question. It's definitely the thing. By by a mile. <laughs> by yeah. miles. I mean, so, all right. So let me play, play contrarian here okay. then. I mean, I like Reed the most. Now. Oh, now? Really? Okay. Now. Now, in the 60s, Ben's the best. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Ben's Ben's like the best Marvel character in the 60s. And I say that. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. As somebody who thinks Peter Parker's the greatest hero of all time. And maybe, maybe not 1962, like just a little peek behind the curtain. Dave and I record these ahead. So like we're, we're a few years ahead. And I think over the next couple of years, the thing becomes like the best character. And he's just so full of personality in a way that. So many of the other characters aren't. Uh, in 62, mm. he's a little bit of just like, he's just mad and kind of, uh, I don't know, out of control. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. But that, that's interesting. So Reed, though, huh? I, I mean, I... Yeah, I think I think it like 95% stems from the Jonathan Hickman run, writing Fantastic Four from about 2008 to 2012-ish, I want to say. <laughs> Okay, all right. So, yeah, that is so far away from my any point of reference for me. I didn't say we're close. <laughs> that that makes me think like there's just there's so much you can do with the smartest person in the world. Yeah. That isn't getting tapped into here. And Stan and Jack are like 
they're noodling at it, you know, with all his inventions. And, and we'll see a lot more of it, you know, when Reed starts to experiment with things like the negative zone and this and that. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, like at this point in time, Reed's somewhat interesting, but like also he's a jerk here and there. And we haven't gotten to it in 62, but like as you keep reading, like Reed is a capital J mm-hmm. jerk sometimes. Um, so that's that's a part of his history as well. But anyway, Big Ben Grimm is awesome. He's he's great. Yeah, here. I'll get back to Patrick's first question in a second. But I, that that brings up you said you know Reed's the smartest man in the world. I was just thinking mm-hmm. about this because I mean there's a real overabundance of smartest men in the world in the Marvel universe at the time, specifically like scientists. Do you have any reason why you think that Stan Lee wanted to make every hero a scientist <laughs> this time? Because hmm. Hank Pym, Tony Stark, Reed Richards. Spider-Man is even like a pretty smart scientist. And then like Don Blake is a medical doctor. But I just read an issue from I think 64 where he just like is creating androids in his spare time. (laughs) So like, (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's kind of shorthand for smart. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he also does this thing where like every scientist is equally affluent in you know, biology and material engineering, right. and robotics and genetics and chemistry and physics. Like it's kind of his catch-all term for every scientist is a Renaissance man. To Patrick's point about the thing looking to moving away from looking so mm-hmm. monstrous. I mean, I think I think some of this is just like production. Yeah, like like just what's going into the comic is he's he looks a little less mushy because I think they. The, the inking process and Kirby's time and familiarity with the characters just becomes more refined mm-hmm. as they, they do it more. So I think some of that's just like experience. So, I mean, look at Reed Richards in issue one looks like a baboon. Yeah. Like he has a really, really weird face that looks very primate. Like I probably said on the pod, I do like the idea of Ben's like rockiness coming into oh, formation yeah, yeah. over time that that actually yeah. being sort of an evolution yeah. of, of this incredible, strange transformation that has happened to him. I swear, I swear that I have read an issue, you know, sometime in a decade from now mm-hmm. or something, where he reverts back to this, like, strange, mushy version mm-hmm. of the thing. And they make it a plot point that, like, he looked different at some point. You don't know what that is, what I'm talking about. Like, we talked about this. And I haven't been able to find this. And now I'm worried that I have imagined this. Like, I just dreamed <laughs> reading an issue of Fantastic <laughs> Four and I'm certain it's real so that's going to be interesting for me to like read ahead because there could or could not be an issue in the future that has him reverting back to this like gross blob version i mean his shape his shape definitely reverts and evolves a ton i i think to patrick's line here i think narratively it's interesting for him to begin as such a monster i i do think it's we almost lose sight because we're reading so many issues of Fantastic Four, but he's still viewed as a monster. Like Fantastic Four number 51 is going to be titled This Man, This Monster. And it's all about Ben dealing with looking like a monster. So like, even though we become more familiar with his slightly more, um, less mushy, you know, rocky look, and that it's less, it's not like haunting, right? Like it's not like monster in the sense of, something scary like out of the out of bloodborne or something like whatever is happening behind dr doom's mask yeah right but um but at the same time like he he doesn't look like a normal ben Grimm, (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah so we got this next letter here from guthrie 
says, Hey, Ultimate Rage Dave and Mr. Zachtastic, I took the liberty of giving you superhero names. Don't worry, my commission is only 5%. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. What a great start to the year. So far, this series has me looking forward to the end of each week because it means I can delve even deeper into the world of comics. My background with Marvel is extremely limited. I've seen every MCU movie and always get super excited when they announce a new one, but that's about it. I've never read any actual comics. This gives me an interesting perspective where I've come into the series with a ton of preconceived notions that I picked up from all the movies over the years. One of the most fascinating things I've found so far is that the origins and personalities of the characters are much different than what I've come to expect. For example, in the Thor movie, Thor is a Norse god who crashes on Earth and is just a big doofus. However, in the comics, he's not a god at all, but a doctor who has the ability to physically transform into the gods. So now I have to wonder, how does Thor make that transformation? It's this anticipation of an evolving story that keeps me reading issue after issue. There's so much potential in these early comics that I never realized because of the low accessibility and large quantity. It's unfortunate that so many MCU fans will never have exposure to these stories. Based on all that, here's my question to you. Do you think the MCU has done a good job so far of representing these superhero origins, despite being slightly different? I really appreciate all you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Guthrie. Yeah, thanks. Good letter. Well, first, I want to point out that, like, I love I love that we have uh, we have some listeners and some fans who are like brand spanking new. It's so much fun. I love that we have a bunch of diehards in the group, too. But hearing from people who are jumping in, like basically fresh to this is I don't know. It's so cool. Like, that, that, yeah. yeah, we're going to be part of this journey through people's like journey through Marvel. Yeah, because I mean, on the other side, Patrick, who wrote the last letter, I know just from talking to him on the Slack, he's a hardcore Marvel guy and he's read thousands of issues the uh you know that divide and like that mixing of of different people in the reading club is really cool but uh yeah to that question mcu let, let, let's just break this down to a little bit more simplistic do we, what do we think what are like some of the big major changes the mcu makes and are they for the better or not i right off the top of my head i mean there's the thor thing which i think is for the better i i think we even talked about it in the in the 1962 episode i think leaving don yeah. blake out of the movies was a smart decision. Yeah, because like it works kind of in the long term, but in the short term, what does it really bring? When you're trying to just establish that character, it, it's really just kind of a well. It makes him weak. I mean, it, yeah. it's like intentionally giving Thor right. weakness yeah. because otherwise he's the strongest, best yeah. fighter. Yeah. Um. You know, the side mm-hmm. of the Hulk. So at the MCU doesn't really need that because they're the story's not right. necessarily about Thor's physical prowess so much as his like internal struggle really the mcu version which actually i think makes it a little more interesting and then they do ultimately find a physical foe that he can't beat um in the destroyer so it is like you don't really need dom blake um i think some modern comics have done interesting things with the idea uh it's not like dom blake you know just goes away like you know we'll keep we'll keep talking about it obviously as we go and i won't spoil anything here but yeah i I do think that was the right call yeah i i have i have no idea because my my like idea of thor in modern days that don blake is not a factor but i don't know if that's true or not so like i mean don't tell me because like i'm curious to see how that evolves because i have i have no idea i do think i do think the mcu influence which does creep into comics you know more and more i I do think that that influence is going to make it harder and less likely for don blake to be a a player um at least in the short term like the next Mm -hmm. few years Uh, i think the other big glaring thing to people is that reading these old issues captain america and iron man both have secret identities and and this is this Mm. is hard for me to parse out whether or not 
I hate that because I hate that in the comics right now. <laughs> but like, do I hate it because it's a bad story reason? Or do I hate it because I have such a different idea because of the movies and I'm bringing that like baggage back to these comics? You know, it is. That's another thing I actually like about the MCU is they're just like, you know what? We're just we're not going to mess with. Se- actually, the MCU doesn't mess with secret identities at all. Oh, yeah. Like, like any even anyone? a little. Um, maybe by the time Spider-Man shows up. Oh, yeah. He's I guess that's a point. He's it, though, right? Like, besides that, like, who? <laughs> I, I can't think of anyone. And this is something that I've thought about just, like, vaguely over the years is, like, does really no one have a secret identity? Because the Avengers don't really need them. Yeah, sure. Like, any of them, you could say, don't really need them. But, yeah, I to your first initial point, Iron Man and Cap have secret identities for an insanely long time in Marvel yeah. Comics time. And that's just, like, that's what a superhero comic is. And yeah. it feels perpetually antiquated knowing how easy it is for Tony Stark to walk up to the mic and say, yeah, I'm Iron Man. (laughs) And it makes sense for Spider-Man, right? Like he's, he's a little bit of a, a, you know, a little eager, but Tony Stark and just the way that they sell that he has a secret identity is just like, Oh wait, well we haven't gotten to this in the comics, but like you'll hear when we talk about these, these upcoming issues, like it's just, it defies belief that anyone buys it (laughs) when he like, when he switches places with Iron Man. And it, it's just a little ridiculous. And also it feels unnecessary. I mean, we do see, we do see even in the MCU, the downside of, of Tony being so public. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's And true. that's in Iron Man 3. Yeah. You know, it's like, we, we really know where you live, like, and that's a problem. Um, so you kind of play with like the concept, at least in that, in Iron Man 3, just in the most basic of ways. But I don't know. I... I don't mind it because I know that that's what they're going to be doing in the comics, but definitely I I like reading the modern ones where they don't have to worry about it. I'll, I'll say that. It doesn't add tension for me when I read it. It just adds this level of like, oh, yeah, well, here's the obligatory page where, you know, here's the one panel where Tony Stark runs into a room and locks the door, jumps out the window, yeah, <laughs> puts on his Iron Man costume, and the next panel of him flying in and saying, Tony had a meeting. He told me to stop by you know i mean i'd say the comics that i read now where it adds tension for me or like or even like live action stories would be spider-man and batman that does both of those characters and obviously i'm spanning into dc here but both those characters like that adds a layer of tension yeah sure i think spider-man's probably the best at it like homecoming that's the coolest scene in the movie is is the realization of by the villain of who spider-man is right like that's such a cool moment, and I think if it doesn't, if it, your story doesn't have that kind of potential to add that tension, based on the reveal, then the guy doesn't need a secret identity. That's very true. Yeah, though we'll get into some funny stuff with Captain America's secret identity because, like, his civilian life is very interesting in the future. So I'm excited to when we get to that. <laughs> Caps. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I won't go down that rabbit hole. yeah it's just like it's just totally unexpected and i actually like i genuinely like it not like an ironic i think it's funny yeah so uh that that's what we got for listener feedback for 1962 again if you want to uh, send us anything to my marvelous year at gmail.com please feel free to do so these are you know great launching off points for us discussing the rest of the year stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear uh some outtakes and some 
cut content from our 1962 recording. So throughout the end of January here, we'll be covering 1963. You've got some time here to catch up on the reading list, 463 in the My Marvelous Year Reading Club. On January 21st, we'll be releasing part one, and on January 28th, we'll be releasing part two. So you have all the way till the end of January to read all of the 1963 comics that we recommend here in Marvel Year Two. The deadline for feedback on the episode so that we can talk about it in our 1963 listener response episode will be January 29th, which I believe is a Tuesday. Yep. Uh, You can find us on Instagram where I'm posting everyone's favorite panel of the year. If you, uh, yeah, if you go to Patreon and back us at the $3 level, you get a chance uh, to be randomly chosen for each Marvel publication year to pick your favorite panel of the year. I post them on the Slack channel where we discuss them and also up on the Instagram. Find us on Twitter and Facebook for different announcements about the show. You can find more of my discussion of comics and modern Marvel reading orders and Marvel reading orders throughout the year at comicbookherald.com. You can also go to mymarvelousyear.com at any point, and it'll take you to the pages on Comic Book Herald that explain a little more about the show and include all of the reading lists, 1962 through the year, I think 2010 is published right now. Yeah. Um, and you can go and, of course, read ahead as far as you like, because obviously everybody reads at different paces. Well, I mean, I think something cool that I've been seeing is if you, you know, if you are really itching to read more comics and our pace is not doing it for you. And, and, you know, we want to keep the pace manageable for people who can't read 10 comics a day. But if you can and you want to, like, it's just fun to flesh out these years, right? Like, if I have more time, I'm just going to read more Spider-Man and more Fantastic Four from these years and, like, flesh out these years more. Because there's a lot of good stuff that, you know, we don't get to to check out every every year. So, you know, I think, I think that's fun, too. Yeah, definitely. Our theme music is by Disaster Piece. It's children. They track children's sport. Go check out his stuff on Bandcamp. And uh, just before we wrap up here, I just want to say, like, the response uh, the response from people about the show has really been great since we launched. And the the response on Patreon has been, like, I don't know. It, it, we're halfway to our second goal, which is just kind of amazing. I, I didn't expect it this soon. And it's, it's really just – it's really exciting. And, yeah, I'm just thrilled with the way things are going. And, and I, I hope we can, you know, keep building this up and – keep having more people find find us and read the comics and just get involved with involved with this project yeah it's awesome so thanks everybody who's been so supportive early again if you do like the show you can help us out even more with just a few sentence review on itunes or your podcast player of choice to help more people find my marvel this year yes especially in these like first weeks it's apparently it's very important (laughs) in your first few weeks you know for that new noteworthy tag so you know it, it yeah, it would just be like hugely appreciated. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, m- make sure you stay till the uh, the end for the outtakes. Yeah, so outtakes upcoming. In the meantime, everyone, we will see you next year. See you next year. And the noise that he heard was really all the rockets taking off. Uh, I, you know what? Like summing these up is super boring. I, I'm hearing myself talking. I'm getting like <laughs> incredibly bored. I, I don't know if I'm going to like follow through on these like... Do you want to? Do you want to? I might retake end with this. the first two, and then just say like, "No, I, I wouldn't want to make anyone listen to what I just said." Like, stumbling through, like, I, it took me longer to explain that than it would have taken to read it. I wonder how much they had to do with popularizing Norse mythology in our pop culture, because I, I feel like Greek mythology is, I think, clearly the like dominant 
pantheon that most people are somewhat familiar with. Um, and Norse, Norse probably following a close second, but I, I wonder if this was as as recognizable or as um, prominent at the time. That's a really good question. I, yeah. I'd be curious as well if there was something yeah. prior to this. To my knowledge, I don't know. It's definitely become big since then. You know, if you look at like Neil Gaiman's Sandman plays with right. mythology a lot. Yeah. Um, his American Gods, for example. So just, you know, the Gaiman literature. But then you have like Walt Simonson, who wrote Thor in the 80s, is doing a Ragnarok series that plays with like real Norse mythology. Oh, right? I love that series. That's great. Yeah, that was one of my like favorite little hidden treasures I found in the last couple of years. Yeah. So you can find a lot of really good versions with it. And then even just within the Thor canon in, in Marvel comics, like it's been played with in very different ways throughout time. Yeah, those are both pretty good. I, one thing I would call out here because I, I just thought of it. So we do issue 183 and 185. As I got it. Just, Club, just so we don't get two most essential. Just so you don't get a million tweets. Uh, it, it's 83 and 85. You've been saying 183 and 185. Oh, yeah, I'm just, is that yeah, right? Yep. Did yeah. I write? Well, I mean, I, I've got. Oh, if your list is right, I got to print it out here. Yeah, yeah. No, you're probably right. Okay, okay. Good call. Yeah. So I'm I'm off. Not Journey into Mystery 183. You know, what, let let's restart the recording. Okay. So one thing I want to call out with these. No, no. I mean the whole thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's only uh only an hour and a half here. I was just gonna say, uh. Marvel diehards, I think Journey into Mystery 184 is well worth the oh, read you if you're again. enjoying them. But again, like we we shorten this so that yeah, yeah. I mean the the way that he mumbled, like he is kind of the original like incel of oh, 1962. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the meanest thing anyone's ever said about Peter Parker. 